0: Tech Worldwide. It's the High Tech Podcast in plain English, with an hour's worth of news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the commercials, the station breaks, the sports, and most of the jingles. Podcast number 503 for July 24th. 2016. This week, Apple makes hardware, Microsoft makes hardware. Each of them gets some things right and some things wrong. Let's take a look. The operating systems that run on the hardware also have pluses and minuses. We'll consider Windows, OS 10 and Linux. In short circuits, are you ready for the Windows 10 Anniversary Edition? Antivirus developers seem to be busy acquiring each other in spare parts only on the website how about throwing several thousand bugs into your software voice modification software from vietnam facebook messenger sees one billion users every month and intel's profits continue to fall but they beat analysts expectations I titled this segment, Comparing Apples to Microsofts. I thought about that headline for a while. Of course, it's based on comparing apples to oranges, but it doesn't quite work. I could have written it comparing apples computers to Microsofts computers, but that just sounds lame. So I stuck with a construction that doesn't quite work and honestly looks pretty ungrammatical. Stay with me here. I promise the article is better than the intro. Microsoft sometimes compares its Surface 4 tablet to a MacBook Air. I'm not sure that's a valid comparison, though. The Surface is more a tablet with an optional keyboard, while the MacBook Air is a notebook computer. In fact, Apple doesn't have anything that competes directly with Microsoft's line of Surface devices. In an effort to return some Mac content to TechBiter Worldwide, I recently bought a MacBook Pro. You'll see a picture of it on the TechBiter Worldwide website. It's sitting right beside the Surface Pro. Ask me which one is better? I'll probably just look at you like you're nuts. Neither is better. Neither is perfect. Microsoft charges extra for the keyboard, which also doubles as a screen protector. That simply is illogical. The Microsoft on-screen keyboard is abysmal. That makes the keyboard utterly necessary. The keyboard is a $130 add-on. Come on Microsoft, just increase the price by $100 and include the keyboard. The Surface 4 is lighter than the MacBook Pro, and because it can be used in tablet configuration, I think it's more versatile. The MacBook's Retina 13.3-inch display, 2560 pixels by 1600 pixels, gives 227 pixels per inch. That's fabulous, but it does lag a bit behind the resolution of the Surface 4's slightly smaller screen, 12.3 inches, at 2736 pixels by 1824. That's 267 pixels per inch. What disappointed me about the MacBook Pro is its audio. The MacBook is larger than the Surface, and it seems reasonable that Apple's design engineers would have been able to use larger speakers than what Microsoft's engineers came up with. Audio on the Surface, though, is far superior. Let me play a sample for you. To record the computers, I used a Tascam DR07 digital recorder. It's the same recorder I use for TechBiter Worldwide every week. But whenever you record audio from speakers, the quality obviously is going to be degraded. I did the best I could to get equivalent recordings from both computers. Then I combined the recordings with the MacBook Pro first and the Surface 4 second. The MacBook Pro has a tinny, tiny speaker sound while the surface's tiny speakers pump out what seems impossible sound from such a small unit. Here we go. high-tech podcast in plain English with an hour's worth of news in about 20 minutes. It's the high-tech podcast in plain English with an hour's worth of news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the commercials, the station breaks, the sports, and most of the jingles. That's because we leave out the commercials, the station breaks, the sports, and most of the jingles. So that's my audio comparison between the Surface and the MacBook Pro. Battery performance is far better on the MacBook Pro than it is on the Surface Pro 4. After 8 hours running on its battery, the MacBook Pro still had 72% of its charge remaining. Compare that to the Surface Pro 4. After just 2 hours, it was down to 62%. I reduced the screen brightness to the lowest possible setting I could tolerate and turned off Bluetooth... After four hours, the Surface Pro 4's battery was down to 13%. I had to attach the power adapter. Microsoft claims up to nine hours of video playback, but with a very long disclaimer. Here it is. Up to nine hours of video playback. Testing conducted by Microsoft in September 2015 using pre-production Intel Core i5-256GB, 8GB RAM device. Testing consisted of a full battery discharge during video playback. All settings were default except Wi-Fi was associated with the network. Battery life varies significantly with settings, usage and other factors. The words from Microsoft. The Surface Pro has a 5087 milliamp hour battery. That is somewhat smaller than the 5547 milliamp battery that came with the Surface Pro 3. It was apparently an attempt to make the 4 lighter than the 3, and Microsoft claimed better power management would allow the smaller battery to provide better performance. Although I was unable to find precise specifications for the MacBook Pro battery, that's typical of Apple, replacement batteries are in the 4200 to 5200 milliamp hour range, so it seems that the MacBook battery is about the same capacity as the Surface battery. Both computers use Intel i5 processors. One likely difference is OS X's ability to allow the user to set a period during which the computer doesn't require a password after entering sleep mode. I set that to 30 minutes. Windows doesn't have a similar setting, so I had to set the sleep timeout to 30 minutes to get similar performance, and that clearly uses a lot more power. It's easy enough to disable the login requirement after the computer has gone to sleep, but I consider that to be insecure. A second battery test was even more impressive. The MacBook Pro started the day at 4 a.m. with 56% capacity. I hadn't charged it overnight. Eight hours later, the battery was still at 32%. This happens because the computer goes to sleep quickly, but it doesn't require a password unless you leave it in sleep mode for more than 30 minutes. The Windows computer, on the other hand, can blank the screen but it stays awake for 30 minutes. So my conclusion here is that Apple has found ways to use battery power much more efficiently than Microsoft has. By the way, milliamp hours describes the amount of power the battery is able to contain, less the energy required to shut down the device. The number lowers as the battery becomes depleted, and it also declines over time as the battery ages. I noticed some oddities. Both the Surface 4 and the MacBook Pro have some surprising features, not to say bugs. The Surface Pro occasionally reports that the video drivers have stopped working. This is a problem with the Intel video subsystem, and a series of firmware updates have largely resolved the problem. On startup, the MacBook Pro sometimes doesn't detect a mouse, not even the built-in trackpad. The only way to resolve that issue is to hold the power button down until the computer shuts off, and then restart it. Although I haven't seen this problem recently, sometimes the Surface 4 loses its connection to the keyboard. Correcting the problem involves detaching the keyboard and then reattaching it. That's quick, takes about five seconds, but it's still kind of annoying. And on startup, sometimes the Surface 4's Wi-Fi system fails to identify any access points, I've seen this only at the office, and I suspect that it might have something to do with the way the office Wi-Fi is configured. So, if you're thinking about buying some new hardware, and you're stuck between Microsoft and Apple, I'm not being much help, am I? Well, we've considered the hardware. Let's take a look at the operating systems. Today's operating systems have a lot more in common than the fans of any one of those systems would like to admit. Although I almost always have at least one Linux-based computer on hand, it had been a while since I've owned a Mac. My first Mac came home from New York with me in 2000, after I'd spent the week at PC Expo. In 2010, One of my daughters accidentally killed the replacement for the original Mac, and I didn't replace the replacement until now. After all, I'm mainly a Windows user, and TankBiter Worldwide is primarily a Windows-centric podcast and blog. Operating systems seem almost to be more about attitude than technology. Windows wants users to do things its way, but sometimes a bit grudgingly allows the use of other tools and methods. Apple's operating system just, smilingly, refuses to do anything that's not the way Apple wants it to be done, unless you know the ways of Unix, the underlying operating system. Linux is kind of like a friendly neighbor who will happily loan you the tools needed to install a new 220-volt outlet for your stove, and assume that you know enough to shut off the power first. There are lots of analogies for comparing operating systems. I've seen them compared to toasters the Windows toaster looks great, but sometimes it just won't bake any toast. Then you have to unplug the toaster and plug it back in. The Mac toaster, on the other hand, has no settings or controls. It looks very stylish, but it can be used only with bread bought from Apple dealers at 10 times the cost of regular bread. And the Linux toaster, well, it requires you to enter the command toast minus verbose minus bread size 50132 minus eject minus o z3321 greater than forward slash dev forward slash toast. But when you do, the toast is perfect. I'm sometimes amused, sometimes disheartened by the silly operating system wars. In discussion groups with both Windows and Mac users, some Mac fan invariably posts, get a Mac, when somebody describes a problem with a Windows computer. And also, invariably, some Windows user posts, get a real computer, when somebody describes a problem with a Mac. Every operating system has its own idiosyncrasies, be that Windows, OS 10, Linux, Unix, OpenBSD, AIX, Solaris, Android, iOS, or, historically, Novell Network, IBM 4690, OS 2, Xenix, Ristis E, DOS, Amiga, Atari TOS, LDOS, QNX, CPM, or any of the dozens of other current or past operating systems. Operating system wars are simply exercises in futility, but let's get back to the topic of what's available now. For today's choices we basically have three graphical user interfaces. Microsoft's operating system has about 80% of the desktop market, so you'll find one or more applications for Windows, regardless of what you want to do. Windows was introduced as a graphical environment for DOS in the mid-1980s. It became a true operating system in 1995. Because there are so many Windows users, you can always find somebody who can help you with problems. Some of them know more than others. And starting with Windows 7, the operating system has become more secure and it offers numerous built-in functions and utilities. Apple's Macintosh operating system dates to the mid-1980s. Surprisingly, though, as late as System 9, that's the precursor to OS X, Apple's operating system had extremely limited memory management. That surprised me back in 2000 when I bought my first Mac. OS10 is based on Berkeley Software Distribution Unix, which means that it was a network-ready system from the beginning and offers strong file and directory security. Another advantage of OS10's Unix heritage is evident when installing applications. A self-contained application file, it's actually a folder, is copied to the applications directory. Windows, on the other hand, copies some files to Program Files, or Program Files x86, but it also has dependencies on dynamic link library files. At one time, DLLs made sense because they saved disk space by allowing multiple programs to use the shared DLLs. Today, though, with disk space being cheap, DLLs no longer seem like a very good choice, but Microsoft needs to continue to support them or thinks it does, to maintain full backward compatibility. The problem isn't as bad as it was five or ten years ago, but Apple's approach in OS X is much easier to support. And there's Linux. I don't talk about Linux a whole lot. It doesn't have much of a market share. It is free, so you can download, modify, and redistribute it without any cost. Linux is based on Unix. It was written in 1991. The majority of servers that power the internet run Linux, but it is more complicated to set up and manage, in part because there are dozens of Linux variants. In general, commercial software doesn't run on Linux systems, and open source applications that perform functions similar to those provided by commercial software usually aren't as robust. A side note here, yes, there are ways to make a lot of commercial applications run under Linux but it's relatively complicated. All three operating systems also have command line utilities. Windows has two. Linux has several variants of the shell. OS 10 has the Unix shell, but only if you know how to find it. Many people equate command lines with antique operating systems such as Microsoft's DOS or Digital Equipment Corporation's long-running Ristis-e but command lines continue to be useful in an age of graphical user interfaces. Windows has the command window and Windows PowerShell. PowerShell understands all of the old command terms and adds a lot of its own. Traditional command utilities such as IP config return information such as the IP address of the computer. PowerShell commands are usually a lot more complex to type You'll see an example of one on the TechBinder Worldwide website. It's called Get Service. It's a simple command that returns the name and operational status of all system services. More complex PowerShell commands may go on for several lines with lots of big words. Mac shell commands can be simple. For example, ls -la that displays a list of all files in the current directory. Or they can be pretty complex. For example, ls -r pipe grep quote colon dollar sign quote pipe sed hyphen e dash e single quote s forward slash colon dollar sign forward slash forward slash well i'll stop there the command goes on for quite a while you'll see it on the techbiter worldwide website the command lists all of the directories but not any of the files contained in the directories long command can be associated with an alias so that typing an alias, perhaps something like directory, would initiate the longer command. And Linux commands? Well, they generally work exactly the same way that commands work on the Mac. On the TechBiter Worldwide website, you'll see an image that illustrates the exact same command I used on the Mac, and the same ability to create an alias exists here. All three operating systems offer a wide variety of command line tools that an experienced user, or even an inexperienced user who merely takes the time to seek out the information, can use to great advantage. Oh, one more analogy. These are fun. They've been around for years. Consider operating systems as airlines. Windows Air. The terminal is pretty and colorful, with friendly stewards, easy baggage checking and boarding, and a smooth takeoff. After about 10 minutes in the air, the plane explodes with no warning whatsoever. Or maybe you'd prefer Mac Airlines. All the stewards, stewardesses, captains, baggage handlers, and ticket agents look the same, act the same, and talk the same. Every time you ask questions about details, you're told you don't need to know, you don't want to know, and would you please return to your seat and just watch the movie. And Linux Disgruntled employees of other airlines build their own planes and ticket counters. They charge passengers a small fee to cover the cost of printing the ticket, but you can download and print the ticket yourself. When you board the plane, you are given a seat, four bolts, a wrench, and a copy of the seat how-to manual file. The planes usually are on schedule, but customers of the other lines are always confused and say, you had to do what with the seat? So, just like hardware, no operating system is really better than any other operating system. The right operating system is the one that's right for you. If you're a programmer, Linux could be your best choice. Game creators often prefer Windows machines, and Windows is found throughout businesses, large and small. Graphic designers generally prefer Macs, but Windows systems do compete well in that area. Oh, and Chrome is also an option. Google's Chrome operating system is a simplified operating system that's little more than the Chrome web browser, a few desktop applets, and some browser apps. Other than Chrome and Chrome apps, there is nothing else. Chromebooks are small, light, and inexpensive. If all you need is email and a web browser, Chrome could be a really great choice. Security is good on these systems too, and some desktop-like applications are available for word processing, spreadsheets, and such. Just keep in mind, a Chromebook cannot run desktop programs from any operating system. In short circuits, are you ready for the Windows 10 anniversary update? Windows 10 will be a year old next month. Users will receive an upgrade to the anniversary version. Key word there, users. If you haven't yet upgraded for free to Windows 10 and decide later that you do want to upgrade, you will have to pay. Please don't say you weren't warned. For more than a year, Microsoft has been trying to get users to upgrade for free. They're even offering to upgrade your computer for you if you'll just bring it into a Windows store. There is one near me, but I've been running Windows 10 on all of my Windows computers since before Windows 10 was released. One irony, though, is that I saw that latest upgrade offer on my MacBook Pro. Because the Windows 10 anniversary upgrade will be released in August, you have to have the upgrade before the end of July. Not interested? Okay but please just don't complain later that you've been left out in the cold. Maybe you're wondering what's coming in August. Microsoft's replacement for Internet Explorer, it's called Edge, will finally be able to accept a modest range of plug-ins. If you're already a Windows 10 user, you've probably looked at Edge, but maybe you've stayed away from it because support was lacking for plug-ins. Really, it is a pretty good browser. Firefox and Chrome are still my choices, but I have to acknowledge Edge's polish and performance. Check out the bottom of a Windows 10 screen. Clicking the clock on the taskbar will open a list of upcoming events in your calendar. And finally, users will be able to select multiple audio outputs. I have been waiting a decade for that. Cortana continues to involve. She or it or whatever it is is able to understand more plain English questions now. I've mentioned this one previously, Windows Hello. It's a cool feature that allows users to log in just by looking at the camera on the computer. Now, this works only with some cameras. Now users will be able to log into websites if you're using Edge, and if you allow Windows to manage your credentials. That's cool, maybe, but I think I'll probably stick with LastPass to handle my credentials. The anniversary update will at last allow more control over which applications display notifications. Some of those can be annoying. Overall, there's a lot to like in the coming update, but even though the start menu continues to evolve, the anniversary update will feature more promoted apps, read that as advertisements, that will take you to the Microsoft Store. There is a way to tame that, but still, ugh. Bottom line, more good than bad. If you haven't yet upgraded to Windows 10, you are going to be left out in the cold. Consolidation continues to roll forward in the antivirus market. Just last month, Symantec announced a plan to pay more than $4.5 billion to acquire Bluecoat Systems, another company that provides protective applications for computers. Now, Avast has announced plans to buy AVG for nearly $1.5 billion. Both Avast and AVG were founded in the Czech Republic around 1990. They began selling internationally after 2000. Avast says that the acquisition will allow it to grow, improve its technological depth, and position the combined company to take advantage of emerging growth opportunities in Internet security. The combined organization will have more than 400 million users, of which 160 million are mobile. The more users a company has, the more endpoints it has, and those endpoints become de facto sensors that provide feedback about emerging malware. The transaction has been unanimously approved by the boards of directors of both Avast and AVG. Another change that may be coming Intel is reported to be considering the sale of its Intel security business. It's better known as McAfee Antivirus Software. Computer break ins have increased the demand for security software. Gartner, the research firm that specializes in the tech industry, says that spending on security software will reach more than $90 billion this year. Some tech experts, though, have begun warning that security applications don't always make systems more secure. Because these applications must have the highest possible system permissions, any flaw in the protective applications present a severe threat. The chief executive officer of AVG, Gary Kovacs, says that joining forces with Avast supports the growth objectives of both companies. AVG is a publicly traded company. Avast is privately held. Kovacs says the change is in the best interest of our stockholders. The transaction is structured as an all-cash tender offer for all outstanding ordinary shares of AVG, priced $25 per share, The transaction is expected to close sometime between mid-September and mid-October, depending on the timing of the regulatory review. No regulatory review is needed for spare parts, but you might want to review it only on the website. How about throwing several thousand bugs into your software? Voice modification software from Vietnam. Facebook Messenger now sees one billion users every month. And Intel's profits continue to fall, but they beat analysts' expectations. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blinn. Be sure to check out the website, www.techbiter.com. And if you like, send me an email from there. See you next week.